Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast, and I'm joined by a very experienced panel of tech leaders to discuss an intriguing topic, hybrid and remote work. Does it work? But before we delve deeper into this topic, let's work our way around the room and make some general introductions. In no particular order, we'll start with Martin. Yeah. Hello, everyone. I'm uh, Martin Robert. I'm working at the Lego Group as a senior engineering manager. Besides work, I like to go fishing and hunting and gaming as well, and a lot into esports. Uh, yeah, been working with e-commerce for the past many, many years, so excited to be here. Very nice, Martin. And what's your favorite game? Uh, probably right now, it's still Counter-Strike. Very nice. And as we've got a gaming team in here, and I know that they would have been kicking me if they hadn't have asked the question. <laughs> and Lucia, a quick introduction from yourself. Yeah, for sure. Hi, my name is Lucia. I'm a product manager at Speak Perform. Um, my hobbies outside work will be probably stand-up comedy, writing, and doing a lot of creative projects when I can. Uh, my background comes from designing and advertisement, and then I uh, rotated and was integrated into the product management role one year and a half ago, if I remember correctly. Of course, I had you on a podcast a few months ago about regarding the journey to products, and it was a very interesting journey. And it'll be nice to hear your opinions today on a very different topic. And last but no means least, Christian. Thank you, Connor. Yes, Christian, I'm a lead software engineer in, in Musk. And uh, outside work, I like to grow chilies, at least uh, when the weather allows. I'm still struggling a little, a little to find the right way to make them spicy. Um, but it, it's getting there. Um, and outside that, I have an old house, so that kind of becomes your hobby also to keep that uh, alive. Yeah, back to you, Connor. Thank you very much. Well, it was nice to get a little introduction from all of you, share a little bit of a personal tone. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. The reason we're here today is to dive deeper into a topic that I mean, you've all shown interest in, and I think it's something that's going to provide interest to a lot of the community that I serve, and I'm looking forward to posting this one on my network. So today we're going to be discussing hybrid and remote work. I suppose it's coined within the term, does it work? But we're looking at its effectiveness and the ways in which you go around it. Christian, I know that before the podcast itself, you had a great question that you'd like to ask the other panel members. So if you'd like to take us away with that. Of course. Thank you, Carla. Yeah, I would like to know um, what is the value of coming to the office if when you do show up in your office, uh, your team is not gathered there. Um, so, Lucia, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a little bit of a personal experience that one if you like to go to the office because you are a person who likes to do work in one place and not have work at home and like separate the spaces i think it's great if you can go to the office although there is nobody there and it's a little bit like ghost town so 
if your company allows it and it's a personal preference and you like to go, go. I am personally preferred to then work from home. But uh, the value I can see is that is uh, being able to focus and not being interrupted for once because nobody's going around. Uh, being able to have a designated space for work and not move it and not change it from place to place and being able to have the space for you. So maybe you can change and put a uh, seat yourself in a place that you, you usually don't sit. Mm-hmm. I also like to add that uh, at least in, in my household, the lunch offering is much better at the <laughs> work office than it is at home. So uh, I go there five days a week. Uh, luckily, I live close. But I also think uh, even though your team might not be there, there are still going to be colleagues around you. So it's definitely good for the culture as well. And to network with different people uh, that you might not talk to in your day-to-day, try to find a desk near someone that uh, you normally don't talk to. I think can be quite an opportunity as well. Yeah. Thank you, Martin and Lucia. Um, for myself, I think it's, it's nice, you know, even though your whole team may not in the office at the same time, then you still get to meet uh, at least one of your colleagues, right? And I think that's that's valuable, right? That uh, personal touch. Also, let's let's face it, right? When when you are in the office and you sit next to each other or right next to each other, you do communicate more, right? You ask each other more questions. You'll be pulling each other out over to look at the screen together. Hey, can you please help me look at this? Or what do you think about that? Um, so that that's valuable. But also you, you get to meet some of uh, your colleagues from other teams. Uh, it could be from the other feature teams you work with from time to time. It's also nice to have uh, some kind of personal connection there. And then, of course, last but not least, right, there's the grapevine. You get to pick up some uh, informal news or the, the coffee machine. You run into people in the hallway or you find someone to sit next to at, at lunch, right, and catch up a little bit on what's going on around the company. Just not in your project, but also in, in the wider organization. And I, I think you pick up easier than that when, when you're in the office. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It can be hard to to stay track on what happen, what is happening around the company when you're just working from home because you're very narrowed down on your own scope and yes. you're not really that much into what else is happening around. I don't remember exactly what company I read this from. If I recall correctly, I think it was Google. And they were saying that they were forcing going back to the office because they were losing a lot of um, inte- business intelligence in just not being able to cross a mix, mix and match people from mm-hmm. the company because they just being on the coffee machine and asking somebody, so how is your project going? Oh, yeah, I work in something similar. We solve it this way and so on. And that can save months of scoping and resources because you didn't know that that person in the other company working a similar project. Yeah, I think that that's that's a very good uh, points, right? And you you won't pick that up uh, otherwise, Lucia. Yeah, and agree with that as well. All right, but yes. then, uh, Lucia, maybe we we pass the word over to you for the next question. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also had a, a question for the panel. Uh, in my case, is what would be your ideal week for you? Like days in the office versus working from home. Yeah, I, I can go ahead and start because the Lego group is very strongly opinionated on this topic as well. So we have a thing called best of both, where we expect people to be in the office three days a week and remote 
uh, two days is optional, so you are more than welcome to come in. But we do also have a bit of a seating situation going on right now, because a lot of people are coming back, uh, and even though we have a great campus, uh, it's designed, I think, for one thousand five hundred people, and we are roughly three thousand, so we are struggling a little bit at, at times. But uh, I personally prefer being in the office as much as possible. There's times where I will work from home because I need focus uh, on a specific thing. It's more if it's not so much if I'm having a series of meetings that I prefer working from home. It's more that if I have a topic that will require my full attention for a full day, then I prefer working from home because it will leave me to walk around as well and think of things much easier than it would be in the office. I think, uh, yeah. Christian. Yeah, thank you, Martin. Yeah, in Musk, we don't have any uh, strict uh, guidelines yet for for this. Um, my my personal preference is uh, three to four days in in the office, and one to two days <coughs> at home. And that that's mostly a personal preference. Right, I, I do like to be in the office to catch up with other guys and um, yeah. Uh, just in really mingle with other people, right? Um, but I say it depends somewhat also on how my work week looks like. Some periods, right? You are maybe planning some new features, and then in my role, you know, I'll, I'll be attending a lot of meetings, and then I would rather uh, not sit in a phone booth, my laptop running out of batteries uh, all day. And then I prefer to be at home and have some more freedom and go move around and so on. Um, yeah, so that that would be you might take on that, right? Um, but what do you think, Lucia? Uh yeah, for sure. Um, for me, it's kind of similar. In my idea world, it would be like Monday or Tuesday or whatever, three days that are meetings and things that needs to be decided, and then two days that you're working and doing the focus and doing the tasks that you need to be done. Because, for example, when I go to the office, sometimes I feel pulled in different directions. Um, I need to answer a lot of questions that otherwise I can silence my Slack and answer the questions in a, in a batch later if I am working from home and allows me to much more time to focus and concentrate and create all of the documentation or all of the tasks that I need to do. But for example, I hear uh, in Australia, I don't know exactly what type of company they do, but they do five weeks uh, that they can do meetings and one week a month that they cannot do meetings at all. And so on. So it's like five, and that week everybody works from home. So it's like five weeks that everybody's in the office, and then one week that nobody can set a, uh, a meeting. I think it's in the government. Um, those systems I think are really useful because it allows you to batch up all the work that you were missing and all the things that you needed to to finish. Other option in my company we kind of do depending on the launching and uh, on different products and different features. So. There is a season or a time that we have to be on the office because it's scoping and we're brainstorming a lot. And then two weeks or one week we're working from home and we're creating documentation, we're doing the next steps. And then it's milestone meetings, showing the things. And that's, again, a lot of interactions, a lot of questions, things that we need to be in person to be showing the screen and be fast on that. So it depends a little bit, but uh, my ideal world will be, again, three or two are alike in Australia Maybe not five, but four and one week for working from home. Yeah, I think in general, it's also more about having the freedom of choice. That is what people are evaluating as well. 
and appreciating is that you have the freedom to decide on the spot if you're going to work from home or if you're going to go to the office. Yeah. I think uh, it is great value. But it's also really nice when you know what days you're supposed to be on the office and you know that those days you're going to encounter your team and you know that those days are great for brainstorming and scoping. So you are creating also the meetings for those things, those days, and nobody's bothering you the other two days. Like it's that you don't have a random meeting on a Friday, for example, when you're super focused. I think that was a good example. And I think it was something that you touched on earlier as well, Christian, when you said when you go to the office and there's nobody there. It's an interesting dynamic and I think that may be one of the tips or strategies that from the companies that I've spoke to whereby they have set days that you go into the office on these days and you can work from home on these days and there's flexibility and freedom to choose. But that way it just tries to minimise the the event that you do turn up to the office and no one's there. Yeah, I, I think it's it's meaningful uh, some kind of, of structure, right, to get the best out of both worlds. And I think, Lucy, it was an interesting um set up to bunch all your meetings in one block and then the other block um, however big it is right you have no meetings maybe it's not 100 possible in, in software engineering right where you do need this daily check-in and, and so on but i can definitely recognize the value of uh, having an overweight in, in some days and others we, we do try to to achieve that and it's nice you know when you don't have these Meetings, 30 hours, no meeting, meeting again, because you don't get that much done in, in those small gaps there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that that's great to try to strive for something like that. Yeah, for sure. When I yeah, mean, sorry, sorry, when the, I mean yeah. the no meetings, in my case, I don't count the, the check-in meetings in the morning, those things like then you do your work. It's more like an scoping session and big mm-hmm. brainstorming of two hours, things like that. Is uh, Those are the ones that are more into it. Or, for example, one type of meeting that I love is in the middle of the day, you can have a set for, I am checking things, uh, but I'm opening a Teams meeting. So if anybody has a question or something that they need to ask or they need to talk with me, they can jump into the Teams meeting. It's open and I will be there for answering anything that they need. And it's faster than sending sometimes a huge email that can share the screen. And it's, uh, it's a great thing. And thus it's incorporated. So it's blocked in a way, but it's not a huge scoping meeting. Yeah, I like that thinking too, uh, Lucia. That was kind of also guide people towards using that time slot, right? Rather than um, contacting you during the day uh, every now and then, right? I can see the effectiveness in that. Yeah, that might lead into uh, one of my questions, actually. So what are some effective ways that we use to build and maintain company culture when you're working in a remote or hybrid setting? Maybe, Christian, you can uh, put a few words on your thoughts on that. Yeah, thank you, Martin. I think it's also a good question. And when I thought about it first, right, I thought it was about the team coherence, right? How can you build a, a strong team? And maybe we can touch upon that also, but it's, it's not what you're asking, right? It's about company culture. So that made me think, right, how how did we do it pre-COVID in, in Musk? And we, we did it that we have uh, had mandatory e-learnings, like on company values, on rules and regulations, or if you like, do's and don'ts, right? And to help make sure everybody's informed, and like cybersecurity and the like you can imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, then you have your manager needs to show the way um, to make sure uh, the team is, is observing uh, what matters. 
And of course, you need to measure across the organization, right? It could be with some Gallup surveys or, or similar to see how are we scoring on, on the company values. And then, of course, evaluate on it, meeting in the different sub-organizational units and discuss how did this unit score comparing to the um, corporate average and so on. And we're actually still doing that. Uh, and I think that is fine, you know, because it was already distributed. It was already online. So I think uh, that that's why we, we can continue to use that uh, effectively, right? Of course, Musk is a big organization, right? In a smaller company, you may be able to do it in a more intimate setting in a completely different way. Um, but I think for, for a large organization, this this can still work. Um, so that's that's my thought on uh, this. Uh, Lucia, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. I've been in large and small companies and in the large ones, we had to go through the mandatory digital setting because of the pandemic. And I felt that it was not easy to maintain a culture. One of the things that it did help, it was when there was a big announcement or something important. For example, when I was in advertisement, we got a client. It was nice to get everybody invited to celebrate. Everybody could like put some emojis or icons or sharing some gifts that created like a little bit of a less serious atmosphere and share the good news with everybody and then intra-departmental way also like the different departments like creative team will have a celebration another thing or we will get together five minutes because if somebody's birthdays or small things that can help especially in the distance but i felt that it was super difficult so i i think what Mercy is doing or what you just suggested christian is to that point um, right now I'm in a medium company, so I can say that it's easier to maintain a culture, especially in hybrid, when you're working some days remotely, when you're not, because it's easier to get together to celebrate in a way. And it's easier to establish company culture because you are still seeing people, you're still uh, hearing, you're still seeing where the company direction is. But uh, what can help is always communication, communication, communication. And one thing that I'm uh, really proud of my company that they do really well is every Monday, the CEO will sit down joining a meeting with everybody online and in person and will say, what are the good things that are happening this week? What are the, the bad things that we need to be handling? And what are the, um, uh, the next course of action? What are we going to do together? What should we be working on? And that's something that makes everybody feel part of something and we can all raise questions and it feels super open to always ask and communicate and we can complain from something like yeah somebody's forgetting about washing the dishes again in the kitchen to something bigger like this program doesn't work how we're gonna solve it so creating always a space is something that is super super useful to create a nice yes, company uh, culture full remote then uh it's easy to blame whoever is not leaving the dish or doing the dishes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you need to hide on those days. <laughs> I think two solid examples are from two different sides of organizations. Yeah. But one thing I'm really looking forward to is Martin's take on this from a company that absolutely echoes the culture, lives by the values, and looking forward to hear about the way in which Lego approaches this. Yeah, so uh, I agree with Lucia that uh, 
things like town halls where everybody gets together and sits through this big presentation from either your department or your CEO going through the goods and the bads and the dialogue meetings and stuff like that. But also in general, like promoting the culture and making sure it's a bit easier when you're a part of the Lego group where your culture is play and learning by kids. So uh, take time to play. <laughs> it's a quite, quite nice uh, cultural fit for me. So uh, we make sure that we, we actually spend the time learning from the kids as well and, and exploring their curiosity in our day to day. And then of course, activities, uh, making sure that whenever you then do get together, do something together with the team. Uh, in my department, we have a, a nice thing called playful well-being, where we have to share uh, our get-togethers where we do uh, a small thing. It, it's basically a get-together between a 30 minutes and one and a half hour where we do any sort of play. It can be sitting and doing crosswords, uh, playing Sudoku, board games, putting Lego sets together or watching a movie, anything like that. And we, we share it together to also encourage others to do it as well as inspire. I think uh, it's really important that uh, the the whole company tries to push it and and buys into it because if it's just coming from the top up, then uh, it's not going to have any effect at all. And then uh, a few years ago, because I've I've never worked in a full remote company, but a few years ago I read from uh, an article from GitLab, where, who is a full remote and remote first company, and they have these uh, coffee chats uh, where every day at lunch you would get. Uh, put into a chat uh, on Slack uh, by a bot with a random person in the company. And then you would have 15 minutes where you could sit and chat with this random individual that you may or may not know from beforehand. I think that was a super cool concept. Uh, That's to, super to, nice. It kind of it gives you that uh, coffee chat experience, uh, even for it's a one-on-one -on -one rather than uh, maybe multiple individuals. Yeah, but that's forcing introverts into a situation that they may not like. Yeah. <laughs> but it's super cool. Really yeah. nice idea. I actually spoke to a company um, working in Copenhagen and they're doing a very similar thing. I think it's a plugin for Slack called Donut. And I think it just randomly assigns you and I think it's a great tool and a great way of trying to bridge this gap where you, you almost lose that essence of the coffee, the coffee machine, standing around having a chat with somebody completely random from the organisation. And that's just one way in which they look at bridging that gap because they are a fully remote company. So they, they have meetings online, completely throws you in at random, as you say. And I think that's a really nice tool and approach. Which I suppose brings us on nicely in regard to tools and systems. And Lucia, you yeah. had another question. Yeah, I actually had a question similar. And it was, uh, what tools and system do you, uh, systems do you use that help your team to make the most out of the hybrid and remote work? I got at least one. It's called Teams. I don't know if you know it. It's a <laughs> great tool. <laughs> we use it quite a lot. Um, there is a turtle debate between Teams and Zoom. What do you feel yeah. about it? Yeah, uh, I'm, I think uh, Teams has won the battle, in my opinion. I uh, started out with Zoom, but uh, I think they kind of fell off midway during COVID. So uh, pull on Teams now, I think. Uh, in general, it, it, it's the same way with Slack. Uh, after it was bought by, I think Salesforce bought it, they kind of lost the battle a little bit. And Microsoft is more or less devouring the remote space. I agree. Yeah. 
but yeah, like I mentioned, some of the, the tools uh, earlier as well. So this bot, uh, now Connor mentioned the name, which is great. Then uh, I'll look into it as well. Uh, different kinds of async communication platforms. So any kind of chat, it could be Teams, like Discord or whatever your team use. I think it's important to to leave the the opportunity to re- to communicate a- a- asynchronously as well, rather than always sitting and expecting an answer right away. Christian, any suggestions on your side? My side. Christian. I heard yeah. nothing, sorry. Hey, you guys. Uh, well, in, in Musk, we have everybody uh, using Teams as well. And I think that uh, it functions quite well, yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, in my engineering team, we use uh, GitHub for the code. Also for our integration workflows. We use uh, Jira for, for the normal agile things. Finally, we use a Confluence for documentation and yeah, everything in between, right? That you need to write down. And uh, then we don't have any whiteboards in the office, right? We'll post or anything. Everything is digital. So we use a tool called Miro. It's like an online whiteboard where you can yeah, draw things, but you can use it for, for many other things as well. And I think those are some useful online tools we use in, in Musk across the different uh, feature teams. Um, and Lucia, how about you guys? What do you use? Uh Similar as you, we have a Teams for meetings and Outlook for communicate, internal communication with Slack also, because um, helps a lot with the channels. And then we have FigJam and, and uh, sorry, um, FigJam for the boards and Figma for the basically design and features and scoping and so on. Uh, we do use whiteboards. We we like them a lot. We are drawing all the time also. So a lot of uh, picture uh, taking and sending by email and then trying to collect all of those and have a documentation all the time. Sometimes a struggle, but it is fun and it's tangible in a way sometimes. But if not, we use a uh, Miro or FigJam. Um, for the systems, I think is always trying to communicate. Um, in person, sometimes it's easier because you can get an, out, an immediate response. But in Slack and on Confluence and emails, we give ourselves some buffer time. Unless it's urgent, then you can call the person. But then we need to define the urgencies <laughs> on the people. Um, yeah, and also, for example, the meeting where people can go and roam in and ask some questions when you have it open as a channel, that's really nice. Or setting automatic response like, hey, uh, in Slack, we have like focus mode or things like that as icons. So if you're thinking, you know that if you're going to write that person and they have like the thinking emoji, Maybe you can write it down and send it later at some point. So it helps not to be interrupting people all the time when they are in the middle of the day. And also communicate when we're going out for lunch or when going back also helps a lot to see, ah, okay, this person is not ignoring me. It's just not in the in the computer right now. Because you can feel you can feel pretty ghosted sometimes when you're trying to communicate remotely. Like you can try to be like, hey, how are you? Have you seen this? And nobody answers you when you're like, okay, nobody wants to work on this project, but we have to do it. And you don't want to be the bad person either. 
So it's uh, nice to communicate when things are changing or, hey, I'm going out and be back or something like that. So uh, those systems. Sorry. Yeah, on a similar note, uh, Lucia, then when you are in the office and not everybody is there, right? How do you capture the things you talk about there? Do you share that too and, and Slack or Teams or how do you sort of keep the rest of the uh, group involved in your... Uh, That's the struggle. That's the struggle. Yeah, uh, we try to document the things. It's uh, always difficult to catch up on all the documentation. Um, but usually, um, for example, for my project, it's uh, I have two designers. One is remotely 100% and the other is in the office. And the one in the office is the one leading the design team. So every part of the communications is in charge of that. And then all the developers do are uh, remotely. So uh but the, not the technical lead. So it's kind of similar. The the leads are in the office. So the important people and the people, the things that are going to be important for that product, of that development, the important people knows them quickly and always can be communicating with their respective teams. And we always try to have the documentation also in Confluence where it shows, especially like the PRDs, the product document requirements, like shows the changes and the things that are going on and so on. And we try to keep up with like version seven minor changes in whatever so people can see that there's been a change in this one this day so they can also check it so it's difficult but it's a it's a system that we're trying to implement how do you do it in yours yeah it's i, I agree it's, it's difficult right uh, if you sort of uh, talk about a good idea it's, it's not every time you, you get it shared with the, the rest of the group but otherwise we, we we do try to create ideas as user stories Uh, added to the backlog and then refine it together with the, the rest of the team. Yeah, I want um, to. But of course, not everything you talk about is uh, convertible to user stories and maybe it shouldn't be shared also everything, right? But, but at least the, the functional things you could do like that, yeah. That's good. That's a really good one. Big definitely some interesting points there in regards to tools, systems, and way in which things can be improved. I think it's nice to hear people from different organizations sharing their setups, sharing their procedures, and understanding perhaps different approaches and different ways of approaching these challenges. But speaking of challenges, Christian, I know that you had another great question for us, so if you'd like to pose that to the group. Thank you, Connor. Yes, I would like to ask uh, how are remote uh, hybrid meetings different from meetings where Everybody is sitting in the same meeting room. And uh, I would like to start with you, Lucia. What do you think about that? Oh, it's difficult. Like I can share an example for today. Uh, as I say, we sometimes use the board and we write and draw on the board. And we had, again, one developer and one designer that, has, that are remotely 100%. So trying to put the computer in the right direction to, for them to see the board, but at the same time having to take notes. So you're taking notes kind of like in, in diagonal. And it's difficult because you don't see their expressions or their faces when they are looking at the board. And sometimes the, the writing is so small, so they cannot see. So we need to be sharing a picture. And I know we could be using Miro, but what we use the most is the board automatically. Although we're using Miro, somebody will stand up and start to draw on the board. So it's it's a little bit complicated to change that one. Uh, I think when so everybody's in the meeting, it, it flew a... Uh, It flows easier in the sense or more difficult because there are too many opinions at the same time when everybody's online also is more, you, you take turns for talking because it's not as easier to interrupt. Uh, but uh, 
it depends on what you're looking for the meeting. Uh, I'm in a lot of brainstorm and scoping. So those ones tend to be super interactive, tend to be super, uh, you need a lot of visuals and expressions. And those ones are super difficult to translate with hybrid situations. And you try your best, but you can do as much. Yeah, I, I fully agree on that. And it also, it requires a lot from the company uh, because you need good meeting equipment. You need a good meeting room with proper recording so that you can hear the people in the back of the room as well as the one in the front. Because the people in the room, they can hear each other perfectly fine. But if you're sitting online and catching half of the conversation, then you're really losing out. So a lot of it comes down to equipment and also tooling. So like Miro, for example, we use that a lot as well uh, for whiteboard exercise as well. But in most cases, we also prefer the physical thing. So if we can use that, then that's usually preferred. And then luckily Miro has a great import feature where you can take a picture and then import your entire drawings uh, into post-its and everything in Miro. So that's super useful as well. Yeah, thank you both. I think those are some some good points. Uh, one one thing I was actually uh, looking at it in this question as well is uh, on the other side, if you are uh, a remote participant in a meeting, right, are you getting more done uh, overall? Uh, meaning, are you doing something else than participating in the meeting, right? Um, and that could be, uh, let's imagine, not everything in the meeting is relevant for you, right? Maybe you'll zone out a bit. Uh, write some code, answer some emails, chat a little bit on Teams, and then you know when you can hear it's ah, now it's getting close in the meeting. Then you'll sort of zone uh, back in and, and focus some more. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll, you'll, or you'll hear someone ask you, "What do you think, Martin?" or "What do you think, Christian?" <laughs> oh, okay. And you'll be have no idea what was going on because you are replying to an email or writing some code or whatever. And uh, I think that's uncomfortable for everyone, and everybody knows what happened. So. Definitely, right? That 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 can happen uh, if you're a little too uh, deep into uh, what other activity you did. Um, so I, I say yes, doing that right, your contribution to the meeting is is definitely less than if you are sort of in the same room uh, without your laptop. But I think overall, right, I think you get more work done, um, and you'll probably come out of the meeting feeling you at least yourself will feel that you'll spend your time better, right? Uh, because that half hour where nothing was relevant for you, you, you still got something done. Um, but then it's, so, uh, sorry yeah, to interrupt, but I am that. really against of the uh, against of those meetings. Like if you are not necess necessary for that meeting, why are you there? Like it's something that it's uh, against everything that uh, I, I believe in productivity. If you are not going to be listening to the meeting, don't go prepare like a system for documentation on, or just send a passive aggressive email like this could be a, an email also <laughs> yeah. we we have at the link group we have a pretty good setup to prevent that as well so we have a thing called purposeful meetings so every time you are calling in for a meeting we have a template that you have to fill out which requires an agenda uh, an expected outcome preparation needed and everything upfront so that you have a chance as an individual to analyze and say, hmm, maybe I don't need to be in this meeting. And then it's perfectly fine to decline and say, if you really need me, then uh, try and invite me again. Uh, and similarly, if you get an invitation for a meeting with an empty template, then uh, feel free to reject that and ask for the agenda to be filled out before you take a decision on that. 
So again, I think it comes back to to tooling and expectations from everyone to make sure that you are not wasting yours or anybody else's time. I, I agree, right? Uh, you should avoid those meetings where you're not needed at all. But at some meetings, right, you're only needed for, for part of it. And that was more like a, considering what, what do you do if, if you're not needed for, for all of the meeting, right? Um, will you then be doing something else or will you still try to chip in? And I think, yeah, go ahead, Lucia. I don't know. I uh, actually then, if you know for what you are necessary there, then they can call you in at that second, or you can be saying out loud like, "Hey, I'm gonna be zoom zoning out and doing my other stuff. Whenever you need me, just call my name and I will uh, jump into if you need me for anything." But I being honest also about how you're gonna be spending your time. That's something that uh, yeah. It's difficult. I get it. It's just sometimes meetings can be an email and documentation can save so much time and money and resources because your time is super valuable. Yeah, so, some good reflections. Uh, I don't know, Martin, did you also have some, some notes on, on this? Uh, yeah, uh, similar to Lucia. Then it's perfectly fine to be part of a meeting for the first 15 minutes where you can contribute. Even if the meeting maybe 45 minutes or a full hour or anything, then drop out after the 15 minutes because you've done your contribution to to the topic and then drop out. And then a, a small side note that I'm personally very excited about is the the Office 365 Copilot that is coming, where AI will be able to analyze your meeting and summarize everything for you. And then you are able to ask questions to, to the summarize. I think that will completely change the, the meeting structure and meeting culture in many, many companies. Yeah, I agree. Because you don't need to lead 45 minutes transcription. You can just go to exactly. the... Exactly. You get five bullet points, points and then yeah. you say, okay, what, what was mentioned under this? And then it, you get the transcription of it more or less undone. Yeah. Cool feature. And the next and the next task that will be also super cool, like the next steps for after this meeting, because sometimes you just read the transcription and you're like, Okay, what can we get out of this? And maybe the next step is like continue discussing this. There was no conclusion, but at least you know that there is something to keep discussing. Thanks. Yeah, I think some really insightful answers to the question there. Of course, it has its imminent challenges promoting hybrid work. But I think we've explored preferences, opinions, and possible solutions as well, and tools in which you can address this with. So, really nice holistic approach. At this point, what I do is I just leave it to open to the floor as to whether there's anything final that you'd like to add or any final questions. I would like to uh, revise my answer that you asked me kind of earlier. Uh, what my favorite computer game was right now. Okay. Uh, I had time, the record. Uh, a small the record minutes to think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, recently, Baldur's Gate was uh, released, and uh, I've been diving deep into that. Right, well, as I say, the reason I ask is we've got a gaming team over here. We deal with gaming across all the Nordic regions, work closely with studios, and I'm sure if they'd have listened to the podcast and heard that I hadn't asked what your favourite game was, I would have been in some trouble. But <laughs> no, thank you for thank you for the insights. But. Anything else related to the hybrid remote work, or should we? Um, should I wrap it up? I have, uh, if you have time, uh, one question uh, I would like to touch on. Um, back to your first question, uh, Martin. But on the team aspect, uh, how do you 
achieve uh, or build a strong team um, when you are part remote, part hybrid. Um, so I don't know, uh, sending it back to you, Martin, so first, since it was your question, uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's hard, uh, definitely, but it's also about making sure people are included. So even for your remote, you're not excluded from uh, coffee chats in the office or, or meetings that maybe are relevant for you, but the people in the office, ah, we can just take a quick talk over lunch about it. Uh, make sure not to exclude the, the remote people. And then, yeah, make sure that everyone feels included and do activities together. Uh, I think that's super important. That's a really good one. Yeah, I, I can give my um, perspective too. And I, I think actually it's still important to meet everyone physically from time to time, right? Even though some are fully remote, I think from time to time, you know, you should meet up. Uh, it could simply be sitting next to each other in the office working on your project, but even better, right? I, I think it is going out for something, could be dinner, some social activity, um, but to still have that uh, actual physical link to each other, right? I think that's important. It doesn't have to be all the time, but uh, every now and then I think it's, it's important, right, to bring, bring people together. The Christmas dinner season is starting, so that's going to happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That that's uh, was the extra question I would like to uh, reflect on. Well, I think it's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. And I think, again, it's provided some nice answers in regard to set up and some of the problems that organizations face with this challenge. Any final questions? I'm going to leave it open to the floor again. If you feel like anybody feels like they can gain value from the, the other guys in this room, please feel free to ask. In which case, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you all today. I hope that you've had a great opportunity to network, hopefully took a couple of insights away from different organizations and their approaches. And I'd just like to thank you all for your contributions today and coming up, coming on board to the Evolution Exchange podcast. Aside from that, if you'd like to join me in a future episode, please join, drop me a message on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening.